following sermon was delivered at Antioch Presbyterian Church, a mission work of Calvary Presbytery of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Woodruff, South Carolina. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com or contact us at info at AntiochPCA.com. May the Lord bless you as you receive gracious instruction from His Word. Children, I want you to imagine for a moment your family is outside doing yard work. Sure, this is probably an experience which you've had before. You're all outside, you're all working, and it's hot, and you're tired, and you would rather be playing, or maybe reading, or pretty much doing anything other than yard work. But imagine as you're doing this, your parents come up and they say something that gets your attention. They say, after we're finished with this we're going to go get ice cream. How excited would you be about that? How happy would you be to hear that you are going to get a special reward? You're going to get ice cream. That would probably encourage you, wouldn't it? Once, once the chores are finished, you get to go and get ice cream. That would encourage you to work harder, maybe, so that the chore would get done faster so that you could get your ice cream sooner. But maybe when your parents say that to you, you're hesitant. Maybe you doubt them a little bit. Maybe you ask them a question like, really? You really going to give us ice cream? Or do you promise? Of course, your parents respond something like, yes, I promise. We will get ice cream after the job is over. Now you really have encouragement to work hard, don't you? You really have encouragement to work with all of your heart until the job is over because you have the promise of a reward. Isn't it true that the promise of, of a reward is a great motivator for us? It's a great encouragement to us in our lives. Promise of Reward is is something that stirs us up, it it sends us forward, it helps us. And while ice cream is a great motivator for children to work hard, we have an even greater reward promised to us as believers to encourage us in the Christian life, in our walk of faith. We have a motivator much greater than... uh, any earthly possessions. We have, as our text tells us this evening, an inheritance given by God. We have something that causes us to work not unto men, but unto God for the glory of our Heavenly Father. So this evening, as we conclude our study of this great doxology in Ephesians chapter 1, I wanted to show you that in Christ, you have a gracious reward guaranteed to you by the person and work of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ, you, Christian, have a gracious reward guaranteed by the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We'll then look at this text under two headings. 
the gracious reward in verses 11 and 12 that in Christ you have an inheritance. And then in verses 13 and 14, we will look at the person and work of the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance, as Paul says to us in this text. You remember then that Paul begins off this doxology by praising God for blessing us in Christ and with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And he's continued through that, uh, teaching us of the work of God the Father, uh, the electing grace of God the Father in eternity past. And then he moved to uh, the redemption which Christ has procured by his blood, we could say in the historical past. And now he has moved here in this, this last section to the work of the Holy Spirit in applying Christ, uh, the redemption that Christ purchased for you in your personal past, one could say. A movement throughout time and history, all for the end of praising God. This is, after all, a doxology, a hymn of praise to God for his great and glorious work. And so then, we, we must understand uh, this text in light of that. This is the work of God, especially here now, emphasizing the work of God the Holy Spirit. So let's then see how, how this uh, works out here in the text. By examining, first of all, this inheritance which we have in Christ. Look with me to verse 11 or the very end of verse 10, into verse 11, we read there, In him also we have obtained an inheritance. So in Christ we have redemption of, uh, from our uh, trespasses. We have redemption in Christ's blood. We have something else, Paul tells us. He says we have an inheritance. Children, do you know what an inheritance is? An inheritance is something... Uh, property of some kind that's passed from a father to a son or perhaps from a grandfather to a grandson. But it's family property, really. It's something which belongs to a person and then at a particular time is then given to a son. Now, typically in our world, an inheritance is received when the father perishes, when he dies. Not so with God, for he lives forever. But we have from God family property, something which belongs to God and is then given to us as his adopted children. We have an inheritance. And then the question that follows is, well, what is our inheritance? What is this inheritance which Paul speaks of? It's a great and glorious thing. You see, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Christians are heirs of all of the uh, blessings promised in God's covenant to Abraham. In Christ, in uh, faith in Christ, we become spiritual children of Abraham, and we become recipients of all that God promised to Abraham. And what did God promise to Abraham? 
Well, really, the entire world. Everything. They inherit those who trust in Christ, inherit the kingdom of God, and they inherit eternal life. We inherit all of those spiritual blessings promised to Abraham. We inherit the world. But there's something else that we have as our inheritance, which is even better. You say better than, than the whole world. Well, what's better than inheriting the whole world? How about inheriting God himself? See, Christians, as, as God's royal priesthood, are like the Levites. Remember in Joshua 13, uh, as the land is, of Israel is being divided up among the different tribes, we read something fairly uh, amazing there. The tribe of Levi didn't get a big chunk of land. They weren't allotted a portion of the land of Israel. Why was that? Because the Lord God was the inheritance of the Levites. Christians, the Lord God is the inheritance of the Christian. He himself is our great reward. He himself is the treasure which we receive. Heaven, for all of its glory and splendor, is only glorious and, and splendorous because of the God who dwells there. And he is our God. The great inheritance of the Christian is union and communion with the triune God. We get an inheritance now, in part, because our union and communion with God, well, our communion with God, shaky at best because of our own sin and our neglect to commune with God. But one day, when we receive the fullness of that inheritance, we will be with God forever. He is our inheritance. A great and glorious inheritance is better than anything we could ever get from an earthly father, even Father Abraham. So Paul tells us then that we have that inheritance here in, in chapter, verse 11 of chapter 1. You, dear Christian, have an inheritance if you have faith in Christ. Paul also shows us what the basis of this inheritance is. Look back to verse 11 with me. We've obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. So we have an inheritance, and it's based in the sovereign grace of the Lord God. We have been predestined according to God's purpose. God's purpose in, in redeeming us and saving us and, and calling a people to himself and giving Christ a bride and a church, uh, this is God's purpose to glorify himself in that. And so we have this inheritance based on that purpose. God is working out our salvation according to the purpose, and it's after the counsel of his will. See, the Lord didn't need to ask angels or men what he should do. He does not receive advice from anyone. He, he does all things after the counsel 
of his will. A perfectly wise, holy, just, and good will. He accomplishes all things according to that will. Everything that occurs in human history takes place according to God's great plan. According to God's will, including this inheritance which he has given us. It's according to the purpose of God uh, after the counsel of his will. So then we, we have this gift of an inheritance. We see the basis of the inheritance, God's holy will. Though the text does not say this, we know from other scripture that if something occurs according to God's purpose and according to God's will, it is an unchangeable fact. It's immutable. See, God does not change his mind like men. The Lord does not look at his people and one minute say, uh, you're my adopted child, you have this inheritance, and then the next minute say, well, who are you? No, the Lord's will, the Lord's purpose is immutable. It's unchanging. What God has declared will happen, will happen. So we can take great comfort in that. We can have great hope. Here Paul has told us that in Christ we have an inheritance. And if this inheritance is based in God's sovereign grace, if it's based in God's purpose and his will, you can be assured that you do indeed have an inheritance. The Lord will be your portion. You may take great comfort in that and have great hope, for you have an inheritance in God in Christ. So then we see then this gift of inheritance. We, we see the basis of inheritance. Uh, but then if you look with me to verse 12, we see uh, the purpose of the inheritance. We read in verse 12, we've obtained this inheritance to the end that we were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. You see, the Lord has predestined us for this inheritance according to his purpose. And, and his purpose here, uh, the end goal of our salvation, the end goal of us gaining this inheritance is to the praise of his glory. Now, you might be thinking, well, this, this seems a bit repetitive. Uh, we've read several times already, and we will read again that God has done all these things. All these blessings that we have in Christ are to the praise of God's glory. But Paul's not being repetitive here simply for the sake of being repetitive or, or simply for a prosaic reasons. He's being repetitive here to emphasize the great purpose of the Christian, to glorify God. First question of our shorter catechism asks what man's chief end is. It is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. See, the Lord in His graciousness in blessing us with these spiritual blessings is 
giving us what we need to accomplish that chief end for which he has made us. Our salvation, the Father's election of us, the Son's redemption of us, and the Spirit's application of that to us is so that we might actually do what we were created to do. The end of the purpose of this inheritance that we have in Christ. To do what we were made to do, glorifying God. That's, that's a great uh, and glorious truth. And praise the Lord that he's done this for us. We would not be able to glorify God or enjoy him if we were still dead in our trespasses and sins. Not in the way that we are able to glorify and enjoy him now that we have been redeemed. There's a purpose then for this inheritance which God has given us to glorify the great and glorious God. So then we see this gracious gift, this inheritance, a reward, something set before Christians, saying you will get all of this one day at the appointed time. You have a portion now, but one day all of this will be yours. We see the graciousness of that and the fact that it's a gift. We see the basis of it, the fact that it's God's sovereignty, his purpose and his will, which uh, has established it. And we, we see the purpose of it. And in seeing those things, it's necessary then to go back to the, the very beginning of this little section. I remind you that it is in him that we have an inheritance. It is Christ, in Christ alone, that we have this inheritance. If you are not in Christ, you do not have an inheritance. At least you do not have this glorious inheritance. Your, your lot is not God himself and, and all that he has given to his son. And we who are co-heirs with Christ... It, if you are not in Christ, your, your inheritance, your lot, is, is the hell of fire. And so then I, I exhort you all, and, and children especially, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This promise is held out to you, children. Here in this text, this promise is held out. You have an inheritance if you trust in the Lord Jesus. And so trust in him. Place your faith in him. Look to him alone for your salvation. Take what is promised to you in Christ. Union and communion with God. Adults, I exhort you to the same thing. I am confident uh, as far as I can be about the state of y'all's souls, as I know you all, we've had many chances to uh, get to know each other. I've seen uh, great evidences of God's grace in your life, but this promise is held out to you as well if you are not trusting in Christ at this particular moment in time. If you're merely going through uh, motions or play acting, this promise is held out to you. If you trust in Christ, you have an inheritance. 
There is salvation available to you in Christ. Take hold of it. If you have not laid hold of the offer of salvation in Christ, do not wait. Don't leave without doing that. Take hold of it. And for those who have trusted in Christ, who this evening see that we have an inheritance, give glory to God. Praise Him. Rejoice in Him. Think of the greatness of this inheritance which He has given you. This is amazing. You have union and communion with God. You, you have been brought close to God through Christ by the Spirit. You, you join to Him. You have fellowship with Him. Lord God hears your prayers. You can speak to Him, and He speaks to you in His Word. How amazing is that? That is something that, that really should cause us to, to praise God endlessly. If only we could give glory to God that he has so graciously given to us, his people, his adopted children, an inheritance. Glorify him. Praise him for that. Praise him that you have a gracious reward, your inheritance in Christ. We see then that in Christ we have a gracious reward, but we also see that this gracious reward, this inheritance, is guaranteed to us by the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We see that in verses 13 through 14. Look with me then to verse 13. We read there that in Him, Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. We see that uh, the application of Christ's work is performed by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Here Paul calls him the Holy Spirit of promise. When was the Spirit promised? Well, you can think back to when Christ uh, promised his disciples in, in John 14 that he would ask the Father, and the Father would give another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Well, we see that the Holy Spirit is promised then, by Christ. But if you're familiar with our Old Testament reading, and I'm sure many of you are, if you, if you paid attention to the Old Testament reading, you heard a promise of God's Spirit then in the Old Testament as well. After, after the indictment from God on ancient Israel that they had practiced abominations, that they had done wickedly before God, polluted the land, the Lord promises to them he will save them. And one of the great promises uh, of that salvation which he sets before them that he will accomplish for the glory of his name is that he would put his spirit within them. Ezekiel 36, 27, he says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Now that 
is a great promise from God. I'm sure many of you know that in the Old Testament, those Old Testament saints, those who were looking forward to God's Messiah, they didn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is a, a wondrous promise that all of God's people would be given the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit of promise, the one who will change the hearts of God's people so that they will walk in his ways and be careful to observe his ordinances. This is the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. This person is who Paul is speaking of here in verse 13, the third person of the Trinity. That is, that is who the Holy Spirit is, this, this one given by God. We also see in these verses, in verse 13 and 14, some of the work of the Holy Spirit. Some of the, the ways in which he has uh, applied the redemption that Christ purchased to Christ's people. We kind of jump down to the phrase Holy Spirit of promise, but look back to the beginning of verse 13. In him you also... After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Paul says here to the Ephesian church, and by extension to you, that there was one point in your life when you heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of truth, this message of salvation there was one point in your life where you had uh, what we call the external call. The message of the gospel proclaimed to you that Christ Jesus uh, was crucified, dead and buried, and he, he rose again the third day from the dead. That whoever trusts in him will not be put to shame. Uh, that's the uh, gospel of your salvation, uh, Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 15, which is a great summary of the gospel of Christ. At one point in your life, you heard that. And though the text does not say it, it tells us what the results of that, uh, excuse me, the results of the next uh, calling are. You believed you heard the gospel of your salvation, and you believed. Paul says you, you heard the external call, the outward call. You heard uh, the word of God proclaimed to you. But you who are trusting in Christ, you received another call. The effectual call. A catechism, Shorter Catechism 31 asks, what is uh, effectual calling? What is this effectual call? It's the work of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit's work, where he convinces you of your sin and misery. He enlightens your mind and the knowledge of Christ, and he makes you both willing and able to embrace Jesus Christ, who is offered in that gospel. See, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that takes that proclamation of the gospel and uses that to bring sinners who are dead in their trespasses and sins to faith, 
in Christ. He, he regenerates you. He changes your heart. He takes away the heart of stone, Ezekiel 36 again, and he gives you a heart of flesh, and you trust in Christ. That's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the effectual call accomplished by God's Spirit. So when that happened, when you heard, when you believed, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, then another work of the Holy Spirit, you were sealed in Him, in Christ, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, many of you are probably familiar with uh, the concept of a seal, not, not the animal children. A seal that Paul is talking about here was a mark. This special uh, emblem or symbol. It was usually stamped in wax. And this seal, this emblem, told everybody that saw the picture that was in the wax, this is official. This is from the king or the emperor. This belongs to him. And nobody's allowed to mess with it unless the emperor has given them permission. It was a mark of ownership. It was a mark of preservation even, that not just anybody was allowed to mess with this. It, it was the king's. Paul says that's what the Holy Spirit does. He marks you out as belonging to Christ. He marks you out as a member of Christ's church. We have adoption through Christ and the Holy Spirit indwelling us shows uh, seals, marks us out as being part of God's family. That is one of his works. It's a seal, sealing us, showing that we are God's, preserving us for God as well. He's a seal of our salvation. But Paul doesn't stop there in explaining the work of the Holy Spirit and how great and glorious this is. The Spirit continues to do more. It's astounding. We, we often uh, think, don't think as much about the Holy Spirit as we should. Trinitarians, but many times we forget about the third person of the Trinity. But he, he applies Christ's work to us in so many different ways. Look then at, at the third way, which our text tells us. Uh, in verse 14, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, and he is given as a pledge of our inheritance. Uh, another word, uh, way to put this would be he is uh, the guarantee of our inheritance, or even he is the down payment of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit guarantees that you do, in fact, belong to God, that you do, in fact, have an inheritance. I think one of the amazing things here, though, is that the concept of a pledge or guarantee of a down payment, the Holy Spirit is worth way more than, uh, than any, anything else that we could have. It, if you go to make a down payment on a car, you, you pay a portion of what that car's cost is. 
you wouldn't go to the dealership and say, oh, it's a $20,000 car here. Let me give you a down payment of $1 million. That's, that, that doesn't happen. But here, the guarantee, the down payment of, of our inheritance is God himself, the Holy Spirit. The, the guarantee is of infinite worth. He comes and indwells us. He comes and tells us. He, uh, he confirms to us that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit uh, calls us uh, or implements the effectual call. The Holy Spirit seals us, marks us out as God's. The Holy Spirit guarantees our salvation, guarantees our, our inheritance. And the Holy Spirit causes us to walk in God's ways. Ezekiel 36 says again, and as verse 14 continues, oh, we have the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our redemption with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. With a, review, with a, with a view excuse me, to the future. We started out in eternity past and the Father's choosing us before the foundation of the world and they moved to kind of the historical past, Christ accomplishing our salvation uh, in time, in history, and we kind of moved then into our personal past, you might say, and the fact that the Holy Spirit uh, worked in our hearts to cause us to believe in Christ. And then here we, we see God hasn't just stopped in our past. He has a view to the future the redemption of God's own possession, the complete and, and total uh, redemption, the perfection of his people, glorification of his saints. The fact that one day, what a day of rejoicing it will be, we will no longer even have the presence of sin. The Spirit directs us to that day. But in the meantime, until that day appears, he causes us to grow in holiness. He causes us to walk in God's statutes and observe his ordinances. He teaches us the way in which we should go, directing us so that we might Follow after our older brother and after our father so that we might bear a family resemblance to the one who has adopted us. You see, the work, the work of the Holy Spirit is, is so important. He applies Christ's work to us so that, so that we have the entirety of our salvation. We are freed uh, from the penalty of our sins. We're justified and we're being freed from the power of sin in our sanctification. And then one day we'll be freed from the presence of sin in our glorification. This is the work of God's Holy Spirit. He's the one that is causing these things to happen to us. It's great and glorious and something to praise God, which is how Paul concludes this doxology with that phrase, again, to the praise of his glory. Spirit's work in our life should indeed cause us
to praise the Lord. And so then we see then that the Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance, and He is. You should be encouraged. Be encouraged, dear Christian. When the trials of life are, are pressing in on you, when you have a rough day at, at work, seems like things went sideways all day long, you come home and the kids have been misbehaving all day, moms, when the kids have been misbehaving all day and you feel like pulling your hair out, it's okay. Be encouraged that Spirit has guaranteed an inheritance, that one day all, all the wrongs, all the presence of sin will be gone, that the Holy Spirit guarantees to you that you're God's child. He guarantees that one day you will have this reward. You know, children might work really hard for the reward of ice cream. You have a, a much greater reward in Christ, this, this great and glorious inheritance. Knowing that that's guaranteed to you should encourage you to press forward, to follow closely after Christ, to work with all your heart as to the Lord and not to men. So, so let, let this be an encouragement to you that the Spirit guarantees your inheritance. And think also on the work of the Spirit in our sanctification. I think too often we try to sanctify ourselves by our own efforts. It's like trying to climb up a steep mountain all by yourself, saying, well, I'll get a little bit better, I'll get a little bit better, and then then, you know, I'll rely on the Spirit's help. It's not really sanctification. Seek to obey the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to, to fulfill this promise that God has made to cause us to walk in His statutes and observe His ordinances. That was, that was God's promise to his people. He's promised that the Spirit does that work. Ask the Lord who promised these things to accomplish them in you. Rely upon him in his grace. and Resolve yourself to, to, to in, in humble obedience to make your, your way forward in your sanctification. Don't think that all by your own efforts, you're somehow going to make yourself acceptable to God or, or, or holier. Go to the Father through Christ by the Spirit. Do that. What we see then in verses 11 through 14, this truth that in Christ, you have a gracious reward guaranteed to you.
to you by the person and work of the Holy Spirit. You, you see this gracious reward, uh, the inheritance, the gift of the inheritance, because you didn't earn what you've been given. It, it is a gift. It is gracious. You see that it has its basis in God's uh, sovereign plan, his will, his purpose. And you see that the, base, or the, uh, the purpose of your inheritance is, is the glory of God. You have that purpose. And you see then that all of these things are made possible only by the work of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, the seal which we have, who marks us out as God, and who keeps us so that we might, in fact, receive that inheritance. You have the Holy Spirit. You see in his, purpose, or his person and his work, the great and glorious work in applying redemption to you. Well, we know that even small rewards like ice cream are a great encouragement to us to press forward, to, to work hard, how much more than this great reward of our glorious inheritance in Christ, how much more should that encourage us to walk in God's ways, to be his people, his children, his inheritance, which he has chosen? How much more should this inheritance cause us to fulfill our chief end? Glorify God and enjoy Him. That's what this inheritance really is about. Glorifying God and causing His people to enjoy Him forever. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Antioch Presbyterian Church. We are located in the historic Cashville community of Woodruff, South Carolina, near the intersection of South Carolina Highways 101 and 417. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com.